everybody what the heck is happening alrighty well that was Instagram I don't know how to turn that volume down without listening to everybody so sorry about that guys hello questers I hope everybody had a good day And here we are, Tuesday pre-show. Let me get some hellos in here. Hello, Gloria. Hello, Jeff M. Hello, John. David. Hello, Tammy. Hello, Gary, Josie, Josie, unbelievable, unbelievable. But uh, I tried Instagram, but I guess I got to do something with the volume. It was coming through. I'll have to work on it tomorrow on Wednesdays when uh, Judy will be with us live tomorrow on her synopsis. Hello, Roxy. Hello, Neil. We got the whole gang coming in here at five o'clock Eastern time. Beautiful, beautiful. We got a great show tonight. Tonight's pre-show was all about this. The fellowship are sending down cameras tonight and getting their first peek inside what Marty calls Aladdin's cave. What's down there? Why are there so many traces of gold and silver? And why does it have what appear to be a man-made exit or entrances? Lordy forty, holy muyan. Unbelievable. Next week's show, the grand opening, is tonight. Not next week. Next week, the 19th, is called The Great Flood. Season 11, episode 7. I don't know about this Aladdin's cave, guys. What do you think? This great flood is on the 19th. And also I have something on episode 8. It's called a void at all cost. Uh, it's two weeks away. And that's going to be the show for tonight. We'll be uh, on Discord at 10.30 tonight. Um, tomorrow with Judy at 6.45. All the screenshots, all the doings of uh, tonight's show. Of course, it's USA only. And uh, sorry in Canadian. Hello, Gary. 
Hello, Daniel, the professor. Yup, Tammy, you're finally on Eastern time. Hello, Sand Dollar. And I thank everybody and I thank all my supporters, which I will get to you guys individually tomorrow. So I give a general thank you support to all my supporters on a Tuesday pre-show, especially when you have guests and they're sitting in the staging area. Uh, you've seen these guys before, part of the fellowship on the show, The Curse of Oak Island. And we'll bring up a couple of things here. There's these two guys with their new book, The Jerusalem Files, The Secret Journey of the Menorah to Oak Island. There it is. With the pre-order of their new book. Unbelievable. And a short video introduction. Tell me if you guys can see it and hear it okay before I bring them on. Here we go. Boom. Very good. And the second bit. Welcome, a big welcome to my friends, number one, Corey and Maul, number two, Christopher Morford. Thank you so much to come on, guys. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Hi, everyone. Hello. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I see you got your manager with you, Chris. Tell me, yes. <laughs> this is Mia. She's uh, supervising tonight. Yeah. It's all right. It's all my right. managers are in bed. <laughs> I want to thank you guys for coming on. I know it's late thank for Corian, but oh, um, yeah. we'll see what That's we can right. do here. Let me go to comments here. First time for a live. Looking forward to this. Thank you very much, uh, Lisa. Everybody's saying hello. All ready. Good evening from the professor. Hey, Daniel. Hello, Daniel. He's, to hear man. He's, he's my backbone over here, guys. <laughs> he's doing phenomenal. I know. Especially with that Barkhouse blog. Yeah, yeah. And now he even says to me, John, Tuesday nights, I'm so busy. I said, join, join the crew, you know, after the show and <laughs> screenshots and synopsises and everything else. I mean, he almost does the same thing, but at a more technical level. You know what I mean, guys? Mm -hmm. He's great. I really enjoyed uh, the last post that uh, Daniel and Charlotte did. Uh, was it uh, yesterday, today? <laughs> hey, no. Charles. There's Charlotte. She's in, in the house. Hello, Charlotte. <laughs> Thank you, Charlotte, for what you do. I never get a chance to, to tell Charlotte live. I thank her for teaming up with the Daniel to give us great research information 
that I post, and I even post it with this guy called Raymond from the UK that saves my voice. And uh, that's all for people that have trouble reading and stuff like that. And it's an audio file that goes through AI. And I think it's terrific for the older people that are uh, sight enabled and stuff, guys. You know, some people, John, I want you to read it because I want to hear your voice. Well, you know, sometimes you got to take a break from that stuff. You know what I mean, guys? I do. Yeah, they're a great team. I, I always look forward to them, to what they're writing the next week. Yep. All righty, we got a number one question I got for you guys. Are you ready? I guess so. Ready as well, Ruby. I'll tell you afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting a little <laughs> feedback. I don't know if it's me. I got I eliminated uh, Instagram. I deleted it right out. I don't know what I'm hearing, but. I have a okay, low-flying plane going over me now. Is there a buzzing? That's yeah. okay. Here we go. Tell us what motivated you to write your new book, The Jerusalem Files. Go ahead, guys. Couldn't sleep. Couldn't sleep. <laughs> yeah, too much in our heads. And uh, not enough of the information getting out on the show for obvious reasons. They can't uh, mm -hmm. show everything. And... Uh, we had such a wealth of information that, that we were just as excited about. And uh, we wanted to tell the whole story. And uh, yeah, they can only do uh, a few minutes uh, on the show. And uh, we had so much more to tell. And uh, we were just kind of bursting to, to, to get the full story out there. That's how I yeah, felt. So, <laughs> like after... Um... Was it season season seven, right, Chris? That uh, we met on the island, and then uh, Rick suggested, you know, we stay together as a team and uh, and cooperate, uh, and we did. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, we ended up with this this massive body of research. Mm -hmm. uh, and like like I said, I I couldn't sleep anymore, and so mm -hmm. when I uh, uh, turned fifty. Um, then I promised myself, uh, you know, I'd write a book and uh, had a chat with Chris, you know, we want to join. Let's do this together. And uh, and here we are. It's, it's quite unbelievable. But uh, there's a book and it has, you know, this, this is the war room that you always wanted to join in all its delicious detail. You know, nothing edited out, nothing cut out. Uh, everything's there, all the explanations, uh, all, all the logic and all the, you know, the, the beautiful, deep history and, the, you know, the, the, the great esoteric layer beneath it. Uh, it's, it's been so much fun uh, doing this. And uh, it, it's, it's quite unbelievable that uh, we have a book. Yep, and I can't remember the last time, except for uh, Jeffrey Irving, who said, you know, with Christopher Columbus's theory that, you know, the Ark of the Covenant went through the same pathway as you guys. But I've never seen something like this that you're saying, boom, you know, the menorah went through or is at Oak Island, period. You know what I mean, guys? It's a bold statement, huh? Yeah, it's like, okay, show us, show us the money. You know what I mean? Show us the money. <laughs> uh, do you believe the original menorah is on Oak Island right now? If not, where do you think it is? It's in North America. <laughs> say that, yes. Uh, All right. We should say we, 
we weren't looking for the menorah. No. True. Uh, we started this research, and uh, that's just the direction that the clues pointed us in. We weren't out there searching for, okay, let's let's try to link this or that treasure to the island. Uh, we knew there was a treasure there, and uh, the deeper we dug, the clues just pointed us in that direction. So it, right. it, it kind of yeah. called us to it rather than us <laughs> searching for it. So your research could have led to any other relic. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, we weren't looking for this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hear you. Why would the French want to put the menorah on Oak Island originally and not in Quebec or Montreal? Well, you'd have to ask the French uh, at the time. Um, what I've said before is that um, even though, you know, it was on the other side of the ocean, um, Oak Island was quite easy to find if it was an island at the time, because if you approach the coast uh, of Nova Scotia, the first thing you'll see is Aspetogan Hill, which is the highest uh, point on the Atlantic coast. Uh, you know, the, the, the white cliffs of uh, Aspetogan, which is basically the entrance to Mahone Bay. So find Aspetogan, enter the bay, keep sailing. And, and you know, the, the, the island closest to the shore uh, or, you know, the, the feature, but uh, I guess it was a peninsula at the time that you hit is Oak Island. I hear you. I hear it had you. a very big front door. I hear you. How does Washington, D.C.? Because I hear a lot of things like, you know, all this stuff was for either the war or that's how Washington, D.C. was uh, built up. How does it connect the Versailles and the menorah? Thank you, guys. <laughs> you always say thank you before we start talking. Huh? Um, you know, in um, I think it was season eight, okay. um, we presented uh, uh, our theory that the Palace of Versailles, so the gardens of the, the Chateau at Versailles, mm -hmm. biggest royal domain on the planet, uh, 2,200 acres, was laid out like a seven-armed menorah uh, in the 17th century. Um, now, while researching the book, um, we found out that if today you would stand with your back to the US Capitol in Washington, D.C., and you walk east towards the, uh, uh, I don't know what stadium it is, but there's a big round stadium at the end of the, at the, end of the avenue, you basically walk the ground plan of Versailles. Mm -hmm. So, which is no coincidence because Pierre L'Enfant, uh, who was the architect who designed the ground plan for George Washington in 1791, mm -hmm. um, had well was actually born at Versailles. His uh, his father was a painter there, and uh, you know he um, uh, he used to play there. He knew the gardens uh, uh, very well, uh, and he uh, uh, copied literal parts uh, to Washington D.C. Mm. Um, some parts are identical, some parts aren't. But I think if you if you look closely, you will find that there's a menorah at Versailles. Uh, three mile, three mile tall, um, and there's a menorah in Washington, uh, pointing the other way. Very good, very good. Of course, uh, Daniel's got to ask this question: Can you say what year you think the menorah was placed on Oak Island? 
or is that too direct of a date to ask or you got to read the book go ahead guys somewhere uh, between um what is it um <laughs> 14th and 16th century okay all right that's all a right. big window i yeah. I'd have to read the book for the details yeah we got to read the book but we're just trying to <laughs> hype it up a little bit here jan says weren't there multiple menorahs in the temple what happened to the rest of them and could there be other menorahs hidden in hmm. other places thank you jan for that question that's that's a brilliant question there were 11 menorahs yeah chris go ahead all right there was 10 that lined the main hallway leading to the mm -hmm. holy of holies and then there was the uh original menorah placed just outside uh, the holy of holies there so yes there were 10 other lampstands in place there also uh golden solid gold menorahs yeah oh and multiples at, at least until the year 70 a.d multiple menorahs survived because if you read uh josephus you know josephus was a defected jewish priest um who uh, became friends with uh, uh vespasian uh, the, uh, um, the son of the roman emperor titus and uh, josephus served as a historian and a chronicler so he recorded the sack of Jerusalem uh, in uh, in the year seventy, and he describes it basically as as you know as if you're there. He's it's, he's very vivid in uh, in his description, and he describes it at a certain stage. Uh, uh, a man called a Jewish man called Phineas uh, shows the Romans uh, two menorahs from the secret hiding place, and then if you if you read the text carefully, uh, I think you will conclude that there were even more. So at that time, you know, we knew that in the year 70, there were at least uh, two menorahs um, still uh, around. It's a great question. Yep, yeah. yep. Can you tell us, you know, without reading the book, maybe, who were some of the players, you know, in this uh, situation that led you to the, uh, not the location of the menorah, but the, uh, the direction of which it went? Can you tell us the players involved in doing this? I'm going. I'm going to give you a hint. Um, and obviously, we uh, we can't share everything uh, yet. Right. I'll, I'll tell you a beautiful story. Okay. Um, for any one of you who's ever been to to London in England, um, in the city of London, you have Westminster Abbey. If you watched uh, the crowning of King Charles a couple of months ago, uh, you will have seen Westminster Abbey. Westminster Abbey is the the pantheon of the uh, uh, of, of the British Empire. So everybody who whoever meant something uh, in art, you know, uh, uh, in the military um, uh, royals, they're buried in Westminster Abbey. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the famous, so it's, it's like a huge memorial with hundreds of uh, of monuments of of tombstones, basically. And uh, one of the uh, uh, the most famous spots in Westminster Abbey is called Poets Corner. So here we have, you know, the memorial for a memorial for William Shakespeare, uh, Lewis Carroll, um, uh, Jane Austen. Uh, the, the the list is endless. They're all you know poets and writers. However, um, 
uh, go stand in uh, Poets Corner and you'll see one of the more prominent tombstones is of a man that nobody knows. Um, one of the tombstones uh, in Westminster Abbey is for a man called John Roberts, uh, who was not a poet, who was not a writer, uh, who was not famous for anything. Uh, in fact, he was a rather dull politician uh, who ended, who ended uh, rather miserably. Uh, still, um, to install, he's, he's got a very big tombstone, to install John Roberts' tombstone mm -hmm. in Westminster Abbey, in Poets' Corner, where, you know, according to Chris and myself, he definitely doesn't belong. To install his tombstone, they had to cut up the tomb of Geoffrey Chaucer. Chaucer, who's the, the father of English literature, they literally had to cut, up, cut off his arms uh, to be able to place the tombstone uh, for John Roberts. If you look at John Roberts and um, find the, the reason why he was you know, allowed to be buried in Westminster Abbey, you have the start of a uh, of a trail. Oh my! Certainly Lord. not a poet. Definitely <laughs> not. Do you think, through your research now, that there are any more holy relics uh, kept on Oak Island? I mean, you've heard all the theories. You've you know, you've seen as much as I have, and probably a lot more than I have. As you research for the menorah. Do you still think there's more and other relics still on the island? Go ahead, guys. I, I think something's still there. Um, and if not, then the proof of that something is still there, that it was there. Uh, of course, I'm hoping there's something left behind um, and that they just have not been allowed to remove it yet that's what i like that word allowed <laughs> they're not allowed to, to find it yet i love it chris i love it because yeah. now we got this muyan technology i've been yelling holy muyan <laughs> for two and a half years <laughs> maybe yeah, more than two and a half years <laughs> you know and they're still drilling holes all over the place and putting cameras down the holes and such and such and now we're finally getting a drip in crumbs of what the Muyan technology is showing. What they exactly. show us a lot different than they show them privately, obviously, you know what I mean? But uh, I don't think they would still be doing all this if there was, like you're saying, some crumbs left over. I personally think there's nothing left there. I, I got the hope up. I'm in for the ride for the total. But I think it was something was there and then taken from that area and gone into the new world and also what chris said not to be allowed to find it yet still goes in the back of my mind you know that they're guarding this this long all these years they're not going to stop in 2023 you know what i mean oh i i don't want that misinterpreted i don't mean that anyone on the show is preventing no, anything no, from no. being found uh, but when you talk about holy relics, um, you have to be of a certain, maybe a priestly class or something to even uh, approach these things. So uh, that's always in the back of my mind. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with Chris. I think something is still on Oak Island or the proof that something was there is still there. They must have left a, a marker or something like that. Um, so um, I don't think uh, we're searching in vain. So you say it's something, whatever it is, you're saying the menorah maybe is still there. Of course. What, what, whatever is there what, it must have been extremely valuable. Yeah. Not in monetary terms. I mean, to, to, to me, you know, it makes no sense to to put money in the ground. Right. I mean, for a short while, you know, at a, at a you know at a at a shallow depth, perhaps, but not uh, 180 feet uh, deep. Uh, uh, you know, booby trapped in a way that you'll never yep. you do it again. Um, so, I mean, our research, and I think that's pretty clear uh, uh, from the book. Is that people were prepared to die for this, uh, which which is a an incredibly powerful thing. Uh, so this this was something you know larger than life um, that needed to be protected. Yep. At all cost. I hear you. So what I'm going to do now is We're going to open up the phone lines. Oh, my lordy, 40. One phone call at a time. We only have one line open, guys. So whatever questions you have. And also, are you guys planning for a second book? Or was it all spilled out in this one book, guys? <laughs> uh, there's always more. There's always <laughs> more. Just, uh, it just keeps going. I'm sure there'll be more Jerusalem files. I hear you. There's the number. Call in. Talk to Corian. Talk to Chris yourself. That's what my group's about. We all talk together. We all talk to the same people. Don't be shy. And ask him whatever you want to ask him, even for uh, season 11 uh, questions. Uh, right, Corian? Uh, you can ask me anything, whether or not uh, <laughs> uh, we can answer. I can yeah. tell you that uh, we were both involved in uh, in season eleven. All right, and that's already pushing it. I think. Right, right. The guys, they got to protect until they're seen on the TV show. Well, you know, the drill. and they can talk a little bit. But right now, whatever question you give them, they'll try. <laughs> can Charlotte and I write the screenplay? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> nope, you're scared. You're you're scaring them. Don't be scared, guys. Just be like me. Mumble, talk in circles, you know, like the show. Always have a reaction to the reaction. And way back when, when they saw this, we go all the way back. Okay, and then we saw this there somewhere else. We go all the way back. We're always retracting. The show of retracting, you know what I mean? That's why I like new stuff, because I don't even put up old screenshots anymore because they show them so many times on the on the show. Uh, it gets kind of uh, crazy, you know what I mean? Renee, please translate more of your content into English. What the heck does that mean? 
I only write content in English. Pet is it was it's a crazy situation that you know I'm I'm uh, Dutch uh, by nationality. Right. And we've written this book in English, so uh, our publisher is uh, negotiating with uh, publishers in Europe to uh, translate the book back to Dutch, so my mom can read it. All right. <laughs> yeah, well, she wants to. But, uh... Ready? We'll put up some pictures about the pre-show tonight, then, since nobody's calling in. Well, we can take some questions from the chat, perhaps. Um, are you guys going to investigate the link with Roslyn Chapel more this season? Uh, no, we're not. I'm sorry. There's one. Oh. Hello, talking to John, Chris, and Corian. Who am I talking to? I'm Gary. Hello, Gary. Hello. Hello. Hey, uh, I'm looking at the book cover that I've already ordered. I can't wait to read it. But it says National <laughs> Treasure and the Da Vinci Code at the top. And I'm wondering what the co what the what it is that you know binds it all together. I'm not going to ask them an Oak Island question because they won't answer it anyway. I hear you. See you later. Bye. Bye bye. The, 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 what, a, what a nice question. Thanks, Gary. Um, Thank you for ordering the book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, the, quite <laughs> quite humbling, uh, actually. Um, really writing a book is one thing. Um, so I, I think the link here is, um, and this was um, uh, made up by, uh, by our publisher, is that and, and this was, you know, a feeling that Chris and I had very early on when we started researching that we had ended up in, in some sort of a, a real life Da Vinci code. Um, so we, we made a number of discoveries um, that where one led to the other. Um, we, we, you know, we ended up in Versailles because we. I'm not sure I'm going to say, I'm just going to say this. Uh, um, we, we, we were. And the link came from Nicolas Poussin. We were looking um, for copies of Shepherds of Arcadia, and we ran into a monument in an overgrown garden uh, somewhere in England, mm -hmm. um, um, where we which is not Shugborough, which is not Shugborough, uh, where we found um, very <laughs> very clear references both to the menorah and to Versailles. Uh, and then when we started looking at Versailles, um, you know, after a while, you know, first we, we noticed that it, um, it was aligned. The domain of Versailles was aligned with the Temple Mount in Jerusalem with, with eerie precision. And then when we zoomed out, literally, you know, we saw that the whole domain is laid out like a giant seven-armed menorah. And then our research started to indicate that probably the original menorah from the bible mm -hmm. didn't look like the one that you see behind chris and behind behind me here like this one if you if you look at the, at the very old um jewish uh, descriptions of it it has straight arms mm -hmm. um so suppose 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 someone found you know the original menorah back and had straight arms 
um, that was exactly what was replicated uh, in uh, in Versailles and later in Washington DC. Um, so so we the, the whole this is just a small part of the book. So the the, the whole book is an endless continuation of uh, of of one clue leading to another. Um, where sometimes you know we just have to sit down and, and catch our breath um, to, um, to 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 let it all sink in and, and process what what you know what on earth we, we were looking at. Um, so it, um, so national treasure, yeah, felt a bit like that. Da Vinci Code, uh, absolutely, but but real life, you know. I heard um, actually actually happening. That's the connotation. Yep. Charlotte asks, are there any translations of the book plan? Spanish, French? Yes. Mm -hmm. And audiobook. Somebody asked and about audiobook. that earlier. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so the um, on Feb 13, um, the book will be launched uh, um, everywhere uh, where books are sold. Um, and the audiobook uh, is dropped at the same on the same date, and I think Audible uh, will allow pre-orders as of January thirty-first. Now that was a new experience. You know, you get an email from uh, from the publisher. Uh, Can you please select, uh, you know, from from three actors, the, the the gentleman who's going to read your book? Mm. <laughs> that was one of the coolest things I've ever done. I hear Renee says, where do you believe the first Templars Jews went and set up a long-standing settlement after reaching North America besides Oak Island? Thank you, guys. A long-standing settlement. Uh, yeah, good question. I'm not sure there was one. Um... Can't tell you that. Yeah. Them and the Mi'kmaqs. I know the answer to this already. Thor wants to know: Are there Freemasons still protecting these relics, Christopher? <laughs> Certainly involved, right? We looked a lot at FDR, of course, and uh, uncovered quite a bit more about him. And you'll you'll read that in the book as well. But, um, strong connections there, to be sure. Tim says, "What about the theory of Templars in Brazil?" I've heard that. I don't think it's out of the question. Yeah. I've seen some of that work. Very interesting. Yeah. But I think when they came over and they went into the East Coast. Then they sort of just spread it out. I mean, they were hunted and being hunted and just sort of blend in with everybody else. You know what I mean? You have their secret societies, but actually blend in with the new colonists or whoever was there. Mostly it was the Indians were there at that time, though. So I don't know who else they would blend in with at that time period, Chris. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going, okay, in 1310 or 15, who the heck was in, you know, the Vikings, uh, the Indians, uh, and then I'm lost after that. Yeah, they're going to stand you can out tell us, Chris, we'll keep, Chris, you can tell us, we'll keep it quiet. Nobody's watching. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Need to swear everybody in. <laughs> we got to be all, we got to be all Templars. Oh, my Lordy, what do we got to do? 
you know, I think I think it's fact that there was um, travel between Europe and North America very, very early. Mm -hmm. uh, there's this uh, fantastic anecdote about uh, Samuel de Champlain, you know, the uh, the father of of New France, who's um, <clears throat> um, who they always say uh, di discovered uh, um, Nova Scotia and uh, and made a, an official territory out of it. Um, you know, there's this story about him uh, meeting a certain captain, uh, I think his name is Savalette, uh, who's from the Basque region. Um, and <laughs> he's telling Champlain that uh, his family has been fishing in the waters there for, uh, mm. for I think, over 40 or 50 years. Um, and even Champlain himself, right? Um, people yeah. think of, no, the, 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 these people made these incredibly perilous uh, journeys uh, across the ocean, and they did. Uh, what they forget to forget to tell is that uh, Champlain traveled on the boat of his uncle uh, uh, Paul Graaf, um, who routinely sailed to North America, you know, a few times a year to uh, 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 for fur trading uh, and fishing. Okay, we got a call coming in. Go ahead, Judy. You're on the air with Corian and Christopher. <coughs> Thank you. Hi, hi, Christopher, and hi, Corian. Good to see you both. Hello. I was. I was wondering, do you think the Ark of the Covenant was ever on Oak Island? <laughs> you're not. You're not given, are you? <laughs> okay, I'm looking yes. forward to this book, guys. Yeah, maybe this is a, a good time uh, to um, uh, to show a photo, John. I, I sent you a photo of a statue. So, 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 Judy, I'll, I'll try. I'll try to answer this uh, because there is there is a clue somewhere in our book. Uh, this one, yeah, this one. Okay. This gentleman here, um, uh, uh, carved in stone, is André Le Notre. Um, he is the the gardener of Louis the Fourteenth, and the man who's responsible for together with the Sun King, uh, laying out um, uh, the menorah at Versailles. André de Notre spent his life uh, commanding large armies of workers, you know, changing forests into lakes and lakes into forests. Hmm. He was the master of the line of sight, so he could uh, um, uh, broaden a horizon, he could elongate a view. He was an absolute specialist there, and he's the, you know, the, the, the father of the of the French garden, basically, uh, which has been replicated all over the world. So this man was specialized in lines of sight. Now, he's buried in the church of Saint Roche in Paris. If you're ever in Paris, forget all the tourist attractions. Go to the church of Saint Roche. It's one of the biggest in Paris and one of the least known. It's in the Rue Saint-Honoré, tucked in between, I think, uh, uh, um, the, the luxury boutiques of uh, Chanel, and uh, uh, and Hermes. Um, now, normally, when you enter a church, all the statues will face you, um, but not Mr. Lenotre. Um, this bust was made by order of his wife with a specific instruction to tilt his head in a certain uh, number of degrees. And he's, so you walk into the church, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and Mr. Lenotre will be looking away from you to a spot in the back of the church. 
in the back of the church, uh, in the very back of the church, there's a special chapel with a huge Templar cross on the domed ceiling. It's a round chapel. Mm -hmm. And over there you will find uh, life-size replicas of the Ark of the Covenant and not one but two Jewish menorahs. So, André Lenotre, the most famous gardener in history who created the Palace of Versailles and its gardens and whose design was copied into Washington, D.C., the man who mastered the line of sight like no one else before him has been immortalized, staring, having a line of sight to the Ark of the Covenant and two life-size menorahs. Is the was the Ark of the Covenant ever on Oak Island? I have no idea. Holy Muyan for the gardener. <laughs> um, John, that uh, that is a bit garbled for me, so I will listen to it again later. <clears throat> the other one more question, guys. Um, there's lots of talk today about the third temple being built. Do you think it will be? <clears throat> yes. Wouldn't that be something? That uh, sure would. Yeah. Of course, that was a great motivation uh, for everything that went on yeah. over there, I believe. <clears throat> Thanks so, a lot, uh, guys. Okay, okay, Judy. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thanks, right. Judy. Thanks for dialing in. Somebody please recall. Sort of wait for them to answer a question. I'm not going to put a phone call up as they're explaining a question so we've got to try to do our timing a little bit better here i lost two calls three calls i don't have no big phone system here guys i just got one phone one line here we go hello you're live with corian and christopher who was i talking to thank you hello johnny this is renee how are you oh renee how, how are you are doing corian and christopher how are you we're good thank, thank you thank you Wonderful to hear that. Hello from Pennsylvania. So I have a few questions. They're all kind of the same, but they kind of dovetail off the main question, which is, when do you think, first, all right, let me rephrase that. Do you believe that the holy relics were kept together um, and always kept together? If so, when do you think they left Europe? And do you believe the handlers were still wearing the chest pieces when handling the ark? And do you believe that there's more than one ark? That's a, a that's a loaded question, and I'm so sorry. But answer as many as you can, please. Oh, thank you. You want to go, Chris, or do I do? That's, that's wonderful. Um, I guess as far as the pieces being kept together, I. I'd have to disagree with that. Uh, I mean, after they were looted from the temple, I think uh, things started going their separate ways. Uh, yeah, these things were uh, split up to spread their sacred value. Nick, can you hear them okay, Ray? Split from the box. I'm going to replay this because mm -hmm. I really want to hear, um, but there's a little bit of an echo. Okay. Um, so, mm -hmm. um, and then again, um, if, um, when, when they, when do you think that they, whether they were together or not, w w um, when they left Europe um, and 
whether or not he believes or both of them believe that there was more than one arc and if the handlers were still still wearing the chest pieces when handling them. The we, arc. We, yeah. Okay. Well, we have no reason to believe there was more than one arc. Um, and to be very clear, right. you know, the, the arc plays a very, very small role in the book uh, because all... You know the research and the, indi the indications uh, that that we got, that, you know the clues that we uh, that we found, all pointed to the menorah, not to the mm -hmm. Ark of the Covenant. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so, not sure um, if it if it was moved to uh, North America, uh, I would give the same answer somewhere between the 14th and the 16th century. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. That answers a lot. Okay. I appreciate Thank that. You. you have a the great breast. evening, fellas. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you, Renee. Thanks, Renee. Take the, care. The breastplate question, I, I think that's a great question, and I, I would imagine that they would. Because we have no proof that they did, but uh, you know that that, that carried over uh, into Freemasonry also, which mm -hmm. Brother uh, Scott Clark pointed out so well. Yep. Um, so I, that's a great question. I would imagine they would. Yeah. And Daniel says there's been speculation of multiple copies of relics to keep the original safe, which makes sense to me. Yeah, it does. Oh, sure. Decoys. Yep, decoys. I yeah, hear one, one of the things that we haven't yet answered, and we, we touched on this a little bit in uh, in the book, is that in many instances uh, we found the menorahs in pairs in the so when you when we found um, the indications hidden uh, in art or in or in patterns and and you'll see in the book some of them are incre incredibly literal and you, you you're not going to believe you you never spotted this earlier um, but the, the, it's often two menorahs and they're often pointing at each other hmm. uh, just like uh, uh, Washington D.C. and Versailles, and you know we won't go as far as to say that they these are aligned, but uh, um, uh, because there's quite a deviation. But um, in the grand scheme of things, they do they do. You have two menorahs pointing at each other, uh, which is remarkable. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Probably point out that the menorah uh, was not this, you know. Uh, or that size. What we're talking about is a huge object, a very imposing solid gold structure as tall as a man. Um, so it's not these uh, these little menorahs we're showing here. This is something uh, much larger. You're saying yeah, so something, if you, something if about you... six foot tall, golden, solid golden, six foot tall, and maybe. And five mm -hmm. feet wide it was man sizes like this big holy crap yeah so if you, if you think well, one of the, the the question you should ask um for example did the uh, if the research that other people have done is correct then the original money pit was something like 13 feet in diameter mm -hmm. that's very that is very wide um so you have to have to think you know why why did that Hole be, they have to be so so wide. Um, if you look at the entrance to Tutankhamun's uh, tomb in the Valley of the Kings, 
I think it was only like eight or nine feet uh, high, and 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 yeah, you won't believe what they what they dragged into into that tomb, uh, how big it was. Um, so for, the, for so the money pit must must have been very very big. For a reason, I yeah. guess. Renee says, "What do they put in the holes to light the menorah?" There were just candles on top, Chris. No, it's lamps. No, it's oil. This is lamps. an oil lamp. Yes, yeah. they, they did not use candles or wicks. Uh, you're allowed. You can use beeswax candles today, or oil. <clears throat> but no, it was an oil lamp back in the day for sure. Yeah, yeah. So the, the original menorah wasn't a candlestick; it was a lamp. It was a lamp. Okay, we got it. Do you guys think anyone with connections to Templars have been to New York? I have been exploring the Catskills in the area of Don and Zena's books. Interesting alignments found with some neat carvings. It's, it's good question. question. Good question. <laughs> yeah. Jan says, do you think the menorah was originally looted by people who wanted to save it or by people who wanted to sell it? But if there was 11 of them, Uh, the the first sacking, that was a trophy piece, I believe. You know, they uh, was placed in a palace after that, and yeah, it was a war trophy, I believe. A war trophy, yeah, I hear you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in, in, in Rome, uh, after the year 70, and when uh, the treasures of Jerusalem had been sacked, um, the emperor built what was called uh, the Temple of the Peace, uh, which is a uh, quite a poorly <laughs> chosen name for what it was, because this is where they displayed the loot uh, from all the uh, the countries that they had uh, conquered, um, and the menorah was in there for a few hundred years. Um, yeah, I hear you. But uh, now that I got the dimensions of this menorah, and I'm a civil engineer, and I always go holy muyan. Now I got the dimension of this. Uh, menorah, okay, bing, 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 and now we get this Muyan technology as far as tonight's Aladdin's cave. To put this even laying down has to be in a big sort of cavern. I don't think it'd be in a vault. I think it would just be in a cavern. What are your thoughts on that? If you can say, you know, go out in the future with me and my members, uh, if it's possible. <laughs> Thank you, guys. How, how would they deposit it and, and, and <coughs> physically is that the question physically and the amount of area it would need to even lay down um obviously pulleys and ropes and uh, they wouldn't dismantle this thing it would be all in one whole piece uh chris i don't think they would ever dismantle a relic i mean that's the pure thing of purest and um it has to be in a huge cavern if it's still on Oak Island, do you agree with that as far as the measurements go? I thought the thing was a lot smaller than human size. I don't know why Johnny thought it was, you know, maybe two foot by three foot or something. Yeah, I never knew huge was huge. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And the same, and the same goes for the Ark of the Covenant, for that matter. The, the Ark of the Covenant mm -hmm. is is this was the size of like like a medium sized office desk. It was very big. Right. I always thought somebody told me like it was a size of it. <laughs> You would need 
it's very thin if you know, turn on one angle. Of course, it's very wide, but it doesn't right. need much side-to-side -side space. But, um, but and, and maybe to, to, to elaborate on who looted uh, um, um, the menorah, um, it was it was looted uh, as a trophy, as, as Chris uh, said, mm -hmm. but it didn't bring much luck to the owners. So if you carefully read through uh, all the documentation, uh, there's the works of uh, Procopius and there, there's various ancient chroniclers who wrote eyewitness reports about the menorah turning up somewhere. Mm. Um, the conclusion of it all is that eventually the menorah was brought back to Jerusalem because it had brought, you know, bad luck. Uh, it had cursed all the places that it had been in. Right. Um, so in the end, people were, uh, you know, afraid to to melt the gold or to even touch it. Right. And it was brought back to Jerusalem, um, where we believe it was still uh, 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 hidden uh, during the time of the Crusades. Right. And if this size of this menorah was solid gold, uh, Chris, do you know, or if it was gold plated, it was solid gold? Solid gold. Mm -hmm. Jerry's detectors or the Muon technology will go right off to the beam. If such a big object, I mean, if it was smaller, okay, but I'm just going by the size as far as getting adjustments from uh, metal detectors and the new technology we have, that should light up like a Christmas tree. In certain areas, I would say, you know what I mean? We, we do remote uh, vehicles from the earth to Mars. And if this thing is that big, it, we should have had an indication way before this 11 years when the new technology came out as far as ground penetrating uh, radar in the money pit <coughs> section, you know, not other sections of the island. I'm just telling you know, they're just digging in the garden shaft and planting cabbage or whatever they're going to do over there. But, you know, I wish they would look on other parts of the island, but they have been with new technology, but we're coming up with surface finds. And what do you guys think about this Aladdin's cave? Uh, in tonight's show, it's just a bigger cavern. What was it, eight by ten or something? What's your thoughts on the new technology? And exactly, we're not finding anything of relic importance, but mostly more dates with coins and objects and surface finds. What's your thoughts on uh, season eleven, guys? No comment. I think it's been exciting so far. I'll say that much. Um, True. I like the technology. Um, and what they've been finding it's exciting you know i uh, i'm i'm <laughs> i don't know what the i haven't been privy to uh what that yielded so i can't speak on it right Even yeah. i did know i couldn't but uh i can't wait to see what they find down there that being said i i do think there are multiple locations on mm -hmm. oak island uh not just uh, the money pit and uh yeah there's needs to be a lot of other areas explored and I, I think they know that, and they're they're doing their best to get around to things. Right. What do you think if they did find the relic, or say they did find the Mornoro, who would who would have claim to something like that? Not me. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't want to go into that. You know, we're not. Uh, uh, no, I don't. I don't want to go into that. Um, one thing I do want to add to the uh, uh, to the where's the treasure discussion is that yeah. the early Europeans mined in bedrock. 
Right. I so hear you. I would yeah, say if the there's something there, it's going to be very, very deep. Like 230 feet deep, sort of? If you well, it's not picking up on uh, ground radar and various technologies deep. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yep. But uh, we keep on a digging. The show keeps on going. We're in for the ride to the end. And um, that's all we can do. We only can react to what they show us. And I'm in it to the end. And, you know, I have my doubts. Like everybody else, I give them credit when they got credit. I give them the splash if they're splashing me. But uh, got to be doing something right with 2.5 million people watching every Tuesday night. And it's continued at that level. And that doesn't include, I don't think, podcasts like me and uh replays and the history channel and all the rest of it so it's going to be way over it's amazing it's, it's absolutely amazing it's and it's such a you know privilege for us uh, you know that we can be a small part of this uh and i i can tell you one thing about season 11 uh and we've only seen a few episodes uh but this year you know we've made some some proper true historic discoveries historic, you know, in both senses uh, of the word. Um, and, um, you know, only that, you know, for me, uh, has been worth the wait. Yeah, and like the old days, they used to go to St. Mary's University. Now we, we, I'm talking we, like I own the island. They got their own lab now, so when Gary finds <laughs> it, they go through all the technology, and oh, there it is. They got the dates, what it looks like, un uncrusted and, uh, you know, put it in the museum or whatever they have to do with it. It's just unbelievable now that we went from the other part of driving, you know, driving the uh, um, Carmen's uh, uh, the horseshoe place, not the horseshoe place, the uh, <laughs> iron place. The new Ross Museum. Yeah, and now this technology is like right now, what is it? Where's the dates, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm an expert. What do you think? I all think those they, they now have... Um, um, uh, I think we have the uh, the biggest uh, archaeological lab uh, in Nova Scotia, if not in all of Canada. I mean, there's so much equipment on the island now, uh, which is fantastic. So you can immediately, you know, scan something, uh, uh, look at it. What material is it made out of? Uh, what could it be? Um, where is it coming from? Um, so, so that is that is very, very, uh, very, very exciting. Right, uh, Corin. You think we're getting a little bit more date? overloaded after 11 years of finding dates and now we're finding some roman coins on lot five and everything i mean don't we got the dates sort of not in a bag but i mean how much more can we find to define the date right to the day no it's going to be by the century or by the decade yeah you think we're sort of getting overloaded all these roman coins okay now we're going back two thousand years you know what do you think Corey? Um, I found one thing this year that I can date to a to an actual day in an actual year. Wait a minute, hold um, on, hold on, hold on. You got something from the show saying that you can get it right down to the day in the year. Yes. Holy Muyan! <laughs> well, don't get too excited. Um, <laughs> you know, we, 
we, we never know upfront what they're going to show. Um, right. So let's wait and see. Um, if we haven't seen it before the end of the season, I'll come back to you and uh, I'll tell you what it is because it's it's incredibly exciting. Um, and what I also like is, um, you know, and we've seen this trend um, over the last years, well, certainly since uh, Chris and I have been involved, is that uh, there's more and more uh, interest for the for the history of the of the island, um, which which is cool. And you know, and I, 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 you know, I wouldn't would, wouldn't claim that, that that you know that we're re rewriting history or something like that, but we we're certainly refining. Uh, uh, the knowledge uh, of of early travel to to North America, and you know that in itself is for me. I mean, that's the uh, uh, that's the driver. I mean, that that's what's in the Jerusalem files, right. and, and, and I also believe that many people on the island, uh, uh, you know, have to have 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 the same motivation. It's, it's, right. it's what happened here. Like last season, <laughs> the light bulb went off, and. Uh, it was about Nolan's Cross when that um, professor uh, dated it to 1200 AD. Does that have any, have any more connections to season 11 that you can say of or no? Are you talking about uh, Professor Gaspani? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I don't think we can speak about that. <laughs> okay, but I, I do hope he, uh, I hope they show more of him. I believe he's got probably yeah. has a lot more to say. Right. Well, of course, I, I can tell you about uh, <clears throat> in season ten when we were in Rome uh, filming with uh, uh, with Gaspani. Um, I'm not sure if this was on uh, on TV, but during the the session, I asked him, you know, what is the chance that the alignments, the combination of alignments, mm -hmm. um, would would be uh, uh, coincidental. So what's what's the what's the chance that coincidence would configure a number of stones to align, you know, with with these stars uh, in in this year? And his answer was one in thirty five million. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh. Um, so that 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 completely blew my mind. And then, you know, and Professor Gaspani is a uh, you know he's a proper scientist. He's an uh, an astrophysicist who. Uh, has worked in this field all his life. You know, he does archaeoastronomy, uh, which I guess is sometimes, uh, well, let's say debated uh, as a science. Uh, but he's worked on, uh, you know, on, on the likes of Stonehenge and all sorts of, uh, of, of great uh, uh, world treasures. And, you know, to, to hear him say something like that, and, I mean, the very least I can say is that there, there was absolutely zero doubt in his mind, mm -hmm. that Nolan's cross, you know, is a human construct and had been put there uh, to indicate alignments, you know, with these stars and star clusters, whatever mm -hmm. that may mean. But right. I, I think that was very, very powerful. And it's, it's for me, it sort of shifted the dial to, uh, oh, yeah, I mean, Nolan's cross uh, is a real thing. It was put there. And, of course, we, we have our own research. Uh, right. Where in um, let, let me share let me share something else. So we have the menorah in first sign, right? So there's a huge garden laid out like a seven-armed menorah. Mm. I think it was season eight uh, when Chris and I came on, and we said that uh, the spine of Nolan's cross points at Versailles, uh, but uh, mm. that there there was a deviation on the line of something like. Uh, 
uh, 0.7 degrees, which translates to, what is it, 25 kilometers or, you know, like 20 miles uh, because it's uh, 3,000 miles uh, uh, across the ocean. Yeah. Um, so, which is quite a big, it's, uh, uh, um, it's not for, for us, it wasn't precise enough to, to call it, you know, a, a perfect alignment. And then we, when, when we did some more research, uh, uh, we, we, we stumbled on something. So if you, if you go to the Palace of Versailles, if you've never been there, you know, get all your savings together and, you know, hop on a plane and go there. This is one of the most spectacular places uh, uh, on earth. Um, Louis XIV, who built this, was all about symmetry. So this whole palace um, uh, was about uh, uh, being symmetrical. So even the village branching out, you know, around uh, the palace had to be uh, built in a certain symmetry, which was called the royal symmetry at the time. Uh, also, the place didn't have any towers, even though it's called a chateau. There wasn't a tower on, mm. the, on, on the whole chateau because Louis XIV didn't like them. Mm. However, there was there's one feature in Versailles that both breaks the symmetry and has a tower. Um, Louis XIV chose, I believe, five, six, seven different spaces for his royal chapel but in the end he settled on the on its current location which is the only thing that breaks the symmetry of the palace and uh, uh which caused quite a stir you know with the courtiers and uh, uh, and uh, and the court around him uh because he was breaking his his own cardinal rule of you know having everything uh, uh, uh symmetrical um and this is the royal chapel of versailles Mm -hmm. And, you know, after recalculating and revisiting this scene, we, uh, we found out that Nolan's Cross is perfectly aligned to the Royal Chapel of the Palace of Versailles. So if you would follow Nolan's Cross, you know, the spine of Nolan's Cross, follow the curvature of the earth and, you know, you, you walk across the bottom of the sea, uh, you would surface uh, on the coast of France, you would mm -hmm. end up um, at the altar of the Royal Chapel of Versailles, where you would see, by the way, on your left, a sculpture of the of the menorah on the wall, and on the other side, there's the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, I was contacted to uh, get a hold of Gaspani to get him on the podcast to actually tell his whole story, but then trying to get an interpreter. I told you I think this before. I just can't uh, coordinate something like that, but the person that told me uh, said, yeah, he's got a lot to say. But then I don't know what they're going to show more on the show and everything. But he said, you know, get a hold of him, put him on the podcast and let him tell the story. Because this story is just as short as everybody else's story on the show. You know, you get your five minutes or your three minutes and True. they pick out the best parts and that's it. But I have no way to, uh, I can ask my contact. But then as far as interpretation with him and an interpreter, I don't know if I even can do something like that. You know what I mean, guys? Mm-hmm. I think he's got a lot more to say, definitely. And uh, what Corian said about the odds of that Nolan's Cross uh, not being man-made, uh, I think that really strikes a chord because it's not something Mr. Nolan himself, I don't think, would have considered. Uh, if people out there who believe that it's a hoax by Nolan, uh, why would he go through all that trouble right. and make those alignments mm -hmm. uh, that are evident and now, I believe, proven. 
And also they told me from the good source from the show, the boulders are not in glacial till. Mm. So what does that mean? See, if it's not in glacial till. They weren't there. They weren't there and somebody erected them in that position. So more to show season 15 or whatever they're going to uh, show us on that stuff. But uh, <laughs> everybody enjoyed the show. We're going to button it up, guys. Um, do you got any last words on the book or links to where you're going to buy the book or pre-buy the book? They're already pre-buying it already, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you can you can pre-order the book on uh, www.thejerusalemfiles.com, um, and we can sign one for you um, if you happen to be in Charleston, Hilton Head, Washington, New York, Philadelphia, or Boston between Feb 12 and what is it, Chris? Feb 19, I think it's like we do. Uh, we're going to do like a 10-day mm -hmm. U.S. book tour together. Um, and we would love to see, you know, as many as, uh, as many of you as possible, um, you know, to see, see the real people, um, uh, you know, behind the comments and, uh, and behind uh, uh, the faces. So it's going to be very, uh, very exciting. Uh, and it looks like we're going to have some sort of a launch event uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, 13th or 14th uh, February with a presentation and everything uh, uh, with media and uh, so yeah, should should all be uh, very cool. And you are wholeheartedly invited. Okay, I wanted to put this picture up that you <clears> sent. I want to explain this other photograph that you sent. It's it's it's, it's one of uh, a million uh, uh, factoids and tidbits uh, from the book, the Church of Saint Roche in Paris. Okay, was accessible by a secret tunnel from the Palais Royal. So the royal palace in. Uh, uh, in Paris, uh, had and still has a, a tunnel uh, leading to uh, the Church of Saint Roche, hmm. where the king and his wife could access two secret lodges uh, to the left and right, you know, uh, up in the wall uh, uh, over the altar. This is one of them. So the king would sit uh, behind this uh, this hole hmm. uh, without any backlight, so people wouldn't see uh, who he was and what he was doing. So. The, the king and queen came all the way from Versailles to Paris to, to say mass here in this church where André Le Notre is still looking at the menorah and the Ark of the Covenant. This is the most special church in Paris that nobody knows. Unbelievable. <laughs> See you in Hilton Head, Jan. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> Yeah, and there's the uh, the book that'll be out February 24th, February 24th, February 2024. Pre-order now. It's the day before Valentine's Day. John. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> oh my lordy, forty. Yeah. That again, guys. Uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Stay in the staging area for two seconds. I'll say my goodbyes because tonight's pre-show. It's all is they're just going to put a camera down the. Uh, Aladdin's cave, and that's all we're going to be looking for when we look around in there. But uh, for some reason, I didn't know the menorah was that big. I don't know. I've been doing this for 11 years, and I thought the thing was like a tabletop, like a four-foot thing, not as big as Chris is saying, human size and uh, all this weight and gold and all that. I had no idea. And there was 11 of them. Some of them were replicas. Yes. And uh, the same size, 
the same maybe plated gold, but the real one? Or was there 11 real solid gold human-sized menorahs? That's my last question. The Bible doesn't say. The Book of Kings says that Solomon uh, made 10 copies. It mm. doesn't specify uh, what what he did, but uh, you know, the, the King Solomon wasn't uh, known for beating uh, beating about the bush, right? Mm. I hear you. I want to thank you so much for coming on, staying the stage here for a little while. I'll say my goodbyes and I'll say my goodbyes to you privately and the stage again. You guys are the best. We've been together for years and I hope we continue doing that as far as uh, all this information, even if the show sort of stops or goes private. Uh, you guys are part of my team and I appreciate you a thousand percent, guys. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, John, for having us on. Thanks, everybody, for watching and uh, I really be an honor to meet you all out on the road. So I yeah, get to see some familiar faces out there. Okay, yeah, thank you. Yeah. We'll be so cool. Thanks, John. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Great night. Thank you. Well, guys, imagine that. Lordy 40. And there we be. It's just unbelievable. You got to read the book, like all their books, to read the details. And then they'll come on once the book is out. And then uh, you can ask them more detailed questions. Obviously, they're part of the show. So that's kind of hard that they can't answer really a lot of questions that are not on the show. I understand that with their uh, non-disclosure agreements, but I appreciate them coming on. So enjoy the show tonight, the USA at nine o'clock. We'll look for some camera technology to see what's going on. You'll see me and Judy tomorrow night at 6.45 p.m. Wednesday's podcast with a synopsis. And uh, we'll have a good time tomorrow night with the screenshots. I'll see you on Discord at 10.30 tonight. and. Um, Remember, members, always go forward. You may get a setback in your life, but just believe in yourself. Believe in your dreams. No matter how old you are, it doesn't matter, for tomorrow is a never given. In this crazy, crazy world we live in, the world needs a ton of prayers right now. So as my friend Jan says, you keep smiling, you stay safe. Also stay strong and keep that positivity going. Be positive mentally and physically as much as you can. Thanks for joining me and Corian and Christopher. I thank them so much. We'll see you tomorrow night at uh, 6.45. Take care and bye-bye. <music>